search scriptures i'm yet to find maybe if when you find it let me know i'm yet to find where god says you should love your children the instruction is dream you i can't find i'm not yet i haven't yet found it why i'm thinking the natural tendency of every parent is to love it is more of hard work to train to train your children Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Men of David on Kingdom World Radio. Men of David is a program where men gather to discuss issues that affect men, challenges they face, and learn how to be better versions of themselves in doing their job. Today on the program, we are discussing a very important topic, and that is fatherhood. Parenting is a very important job for parents, which not only has impacts on the lives of the children being trained, but also generations to come. Although the job is not executed by just a father, the father is often saddled with the responsibility of leading that assignment. Why some fathers just continue with what they observe from their fathers, which may not be right, others just follow their instincts. The result is often poorly raised children. In this week's edition of Men of David, we want to learn the ropes on fatherhood from fathers who have been doing the job for years. To do justice to this, I've been joined by a husband of one beautiful wife and a father of four wonderful kids, Pastor Udu Okemute. Fondly called Apostle, he's a pastor and teacher of the Word of God at Kingdom World Ministries. He's a host of the radio program Word vs. Word and convener of two annual events, Workers' Summit and the Good of the Land. He's very passionate about God's Word and his focus in ministry is the formation of Christ in the lives of many. Pastor Okemute, welcome to the program. Yeah, good day. Good to be here. I'm also joined on the show by another wonderful father, a father of two kids and husband of one beautiful wife, and is actively involved in shaping the lives of members of the youth wing in his church. As a believer, he's, he's focused on helping men build faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you, uh, Mr. Anye Nendemeka. Thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. I'm glad to be here. Okay, so um, welcome to the program. We want to start with, what was your experience with your fatherhood experience from your father? All right, um, thank you again for the opportunity to, to have this conversation, all right? Um, largely, I would say that the man I've become, all right, to a large extent, uh, just thinking about it, it's not... Um, it's not something that I just thought about now. Over time, I've come to realize that the man I've become, to a large extent, was formed by the relationship I had with my father. All right? There are a few things that that I have that are very evident in my life today that without even knowing, I can, I can narrow them down to, to the relationship I had with my father. Yes, he's been a strong influence, I mean, in my life. Interestingly, he did that effortlessly. He did it without, not like we used to sit or we'll sit down to have, um, you know, five-hour session on daily basis and all. But, I, I mean, uh, he, modeled, he modeled the pathway for me and without much saying, 
it became it became my life okay for instance today there are a few tendencies that i'm not giving in all right and it's simply because i never saw my dad do them all right i can't remember for once seeing my dad with any alcoholic drink all right he's late now all right i mean he's been late for like two decades now but growing up i didn't see him drink i didn't see him smoke all right i can't remember i can't remember interestingly for once seeing my dad raise his voice on my mom interestingly I mean, it was much later because he battled in the later part of his life. He battled with some um, life-threatening ailment. And out of that frustration, you will see him, you know, you will see that struggle with him. So we made excuses for him. So at that time, I mean, up until that moment, I never saw him raise his voice, I mean, on my mom. So these, I mean, without much effort, these... I mean, these attributes made indelible marks on, on the man I, I, I am today. Okay. Just on a lighter note, was it a pastor? Not at all. Okay. okay. Pastor Kamute, what memorable experience do you have, fatherhood experience do you have with your father? Okay. <laughs> like Emika um, said, I think my experience is like the opposite of his anyway. <laughs> and it's a frank discussion, so um, let's just open up things and... Uh, well, I had a very for being until I left um, for the university. That was when I was about um, 18. Uh, so up to that point, because as soon as I left, I left completely. Yeah, yeah I left. Um, I hardly went home after. I, sometimes I see, uh, you know, students go home when there is a short break. But for me, I was always in school, you know, and up till now. Okay, uh, why growing up? So between when I started getting aware of things until I left for the university, well, well, some good memories, some not so good. Um, so uh, basically, um, putting those two experiences together, yes, I want to say, yes, they affected in a way. Um, uh, but what are the, some of these experiences? Okay. I actually, my dad was not born again, just like uh, him, but well, the civil servant did the, uh, well, what every man does, sent his children to school, uh, basic needs, uh, not the luxuries, but at least the basic needs were provided. Um, Saw so, uh, him drink, uh, not to stupor, but of course, uh, for a man who was not born again, uh, I saw him smoke not where well, he tried to hide it from us uh, well, of course uh, uh, as you grew you just understood uh, this smoking and you saw that uh, he never sent us to buy cigarettes for him but of course um so well a number of es- experiences here and there like i said unlike uh, nemeka's father <laughs> you know uh, so basically that was my experience good things learned um some not so pleasant experience uh, which um, i would not want to share uh, but you know, um, he's still alive. He's born again now. He's a pastor. And of course, uh, I believe in retrospect, uh, he would um, wish that he would give more time to, you know, to us. But, you know, we are here and we are here. Okay. Now, getting down to our topic specifically, 
What does being a father mean to you? Okay. Um, in well, um, to me, first is a privilege, and it's also a responsibility. Two things. It's a privilege in the sense that I maybe because I'm a pastor, I um, get to counsel people and uh, uh, also pray with people. So I see it as a privilege. Um, that God, now also looking at the Bible, uh, God gives you a child and say, okay, take, help me look after this one. Now it's a privilege for God to entrust something into your hands. What it simply means is that he has some level of trust. Uh, if you are to entrust such a priceless gifts to a man, then there are some level of trust that you have for that man. Of course, along the line, a number of people tend to disappoint God. You understand. But to me, like I said, is both a privilege and a responsibility. So if God has given me children, I have four. Um, I, see, I see it as a great privilege for God to say, take these four children and look after them. It's a great privilege. It's like you handing over a business to a business worth billions of naira to a man. It would take trust uh, to do that. And most times, I think most times we really don't see it like that. But to me, I see it like that. I'm not joking. You know that for God, having read the Bible, for God to say, take, take a child, like they would say, uh, there are no unwanted children, the only unwanted parents. You know, <laughs> yeah, every child, it, the Bible says, Psalm 127, children are a gift. Good. But let's not go into that. So for me, it's both a privilege and a responsibility. A responsibility that, uh, looking at it from this angle, I've given you this. I'm going to ask of you. You know, you're going to be held to account how these children turned out to whatever they will turn out to. So that's the responsibility aspect of it. Then the privilege aspect is that um, if God could, somebody he created, if he could send that person to me and say, look after this person, to me it's a privilege. So it's both a privilege and a responsibility. So uh, we don't, I don't get carried away by, oh, it's a privilege. You don't brag with the fact that you have children. You also understand that it's also a responsibility that God is going to ask of you, how come this one turned out to be like this? Do you understand? This one was supposed to be this. Why did he not become? So I, I see it as that, that's a responsibility aspect of it. Nisanyane, what do you think God expects from you? As you mean it's in a business setting, what's the deliverable? What's the outcome you expect from a father? From a child, a father in a child? I mean, um, uh, <laughs> there are conversations that are not just ordinary, okay? And uh, the one we're having now uh, very i'm taking it very very personally because um oh, these are deep things of life okay um all right um the expectations here like you have um, pointed out okay just thinking about what um pastor Kemuti just shared now all right the fact that scripture says that children are a gift from god is a lot of trust i'll start from there okay that a whole human being, the the responsibility of keeping, you know, like the instruction I was giving to Adam and Eve to tend and keep, the responsibility of tending and keeping a whole human being like yourself was delegated to you. 
is is a humbling realization. It's a humbling realization. So the expectation here can be drawn from that trust that has already been given you. All right. I mean, um, Dr. Miles of the Blessed Memory, you know, pointed out a few a few components of this trust. Okay, that as we discuss, we go a long way to help us, you know, consider all the aspects of these discussions. Okay, he talked about, it, I mean, the 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 responsibilities of this of this trust that I'm talking about being exemplified in the a father being a source, all right, a father being a nourisher, a father being a sustainer, a father being a supporter, a father being a founder. And a father being a protector. All right, I, I had to uh, because I mean we can spend the whole day just looking at looking about looking at closely at at, at these these components. Uh, but, but for me, that's that's the expectation. All right, that is coming from from this trust. Okay, that these business investments that you like you rightly pointed out. Okay, yeah, because life is a serious business. All right, these are these are the components of of, of that trust, as as it were. Uh, about, this is an example, but even though the example is real, I'm a, a young father. How am I supposed to go about doing this job? For an average person, you understand that the father is supposed to buy parents pay school fees. Is it any other thing? Okay, of course, flog the child. I mean, correct the child and more, correct the child to behave well. Beyond this basic thing, we understand how exactly should a parent who wants to raise children that please God go about this assignment? Okay, I, I read. Oh, I'm a pastor, so I, I read the Bible regularly. And every uh, normal Christian should read the Bible. So my fear came when I read First um, uh, Samuel. And I saw the sons of Samuel. First, I know the person Samuel. I've read about Samuel. And um, Samuel was one person that God testified, you know, concerning Samuel. And um, that his words, none of his words fell to the ground. You know, so that's to tell you he was a man of character. He was a true man of God, right? In fact, um, Samuel was, uh, when he was through with leading Israel, he called Israel and said, if you have anything against me, say it now. Did I take bribe from you? Did I do anything? And they all said, no. That is, you are a good leader. You are a righteous leader. Okay, so I was reading one day, I think, uh, First Samuel, around, um, I think that should be chapter 8. Um I was reading, yes, that should be First Samuel. Yes, First Samuel chapter 8. Now, if you read from verse 1 to 3, I read from the New Living Translation that day, I still remember. And I saw the character of the sons of Samuel. He had two. You know, the Bible says they loved money. If you read First Samuel chapter 1, verse 8, chapter 8, from verse 1 to 3, it said they loved money, they took bribe, and they perverted justice. So I got worried. Now that first, I just told you the character who Samuel was, right? Now his sons now turned out to be like an enemy of the state, <laughs> you know, because the people of this, the, the the people of Israel actually rejected them. They rejected them. That was why Samuel had to cry to God and say, "See, the people have God said, okay, don't worry. It's not you that they have rejected. It's me that they have rejected." Good. So I I that day when I read that. It disturbed me. And I went to a very an elderly person who is also a pastor. You know, and he told me a number of things. Now I don't want to go into the why what what we our conversation was, 
and um, why Samuel's children turned out to be what they finally became, you know. But I saw somebody who succeeded in ministry, who succeeded outside but failed inside. Now that's my, um, you know, my conclusion about Samuel. Succeeded in ministry, but his children, like we saw, did not turn out well. Now, so I began to ask myself, do I want to really become like this? First, what really happened that the man whose words did not fall to the ground, how come his children now turned out to be men who loved... Now, they were evil people. I don't know if you understand. The same thing with Eli. Let's not forget. The same thing with Eli. Eli's children also didn't turn out well. In fact, somebody jokingly said to me that... um, you know, Samuel grew, grew under Eli. That that was the aspect of Eli that Samuel did not, th- uh, you know, uh, unlearn. So that actually um, made me worry, you know. And um, of course, when things come like that, talking of the challenge, as you know, growing, uh, uh, raising the children, good. So that also made me first when I hear things like that or I read things like that. Like I said, I went to meet, I met a very, very senior person. The man's about 68 years, um, who's a pastor also. Then I also went to pray, you know. Um, I also went to pray. Like um, uh, my brother Emeka said earlier, there are a lot of things around, you know, that tends to, um, um, how, how do I put it now? They, there are forces around. Uh, and those forces will not just be addressed by your uh, just the oversight over the children. Also, I understand very well the spiritual aspect of this thing. What is the spiritual aspect? The spiritual aspect is first, like I said earlier when we started, is a is a is a privilege and is a responsibility. The spiritual aspect is that I understand there is a responsibility, and if God gives you a responsibility. He doesn't expect you to use your energy to carry that responsibility. He gives you strength. So, as a father, I, um, as a father, I understand that if God doesn't help me in this thing, I'm dead. There's nothing I can do. Because while growing up also, you know, I grew up in an environment where I, as a young person, as a young boy, you know, I saw things happen around. I saw people who, like Samuel, I still remember somebody around the estate where I grew up who was a bishop of one of the leading Pentecostal churches then. When we got, when we got into school, the guy joined a cult, you know? So I, un- I understood very well. Now from my childhood experience, now I now became, uh, now I'm older, I read the Bible. I can match these experiences with the scripture, and I know that first, like I said, it's, an, it's, it's a responsibility, and God never gives you a responsibility without supplying the power. So I go to Him regularly. I've seen people who parents, their parents did. I really cannot just explain how the children went. So I understand that this is a responsibility, and I go to God. That's the spiritual aspect of it. I go to God. I also do my work. What was the work? From time to time, my my my, my children are still young, um, so um, there we the level of uh, scripture that, of course, you just give to them, which um, that is what they can handle at this stage. Uh, the oldest is ten, you understand. So from time to time, my wife we talk to them, we take them to church regularly. 
during their Sunday school. To me, I think that's the best I can do. I pray for them, expose them to the word of God. That's the best I can do. I'm talking of spiritually now. I think that is the, for now. Those are the two things I owe them. I expose them to the word of God and I pray for them and I also ask for wisdom because maybe as we continue in the course of the interview, you will see that I've also discovered that for each of your, uh, for each of each child has a peculiar way by which you, you talk to the child or you, yeah, your, your your relationship with your child. The way I, you know, my relationship with my first child, uh, my first son, there's the way I handle him. It's totally different from the way I handle my second son. It's totally different because I've seen traits and it's not the way I handle the first one, I handle the second one and it's not the same way I handle the girl. And Mr. Nene, from your own perspective, what do you do? He has laid kind of laid spiritual foundation for raising a child. Let's move more to maybe the physical, the work. He talked about work he has to do. What work do you think a parent should do to be able to do a proper job, at least doing his own part in raising a child? Interestingly, you know, I started by giving a profile of how the supposed life of my father influenced me. I'm thinking, I'm thinking that if if you give him a second chance now to come back and see what his children have become. I'm very, I'm almost certain he'll be as surprised too, all right? Because what he did that influenced me on the natural side of it, he had no, like I said, he wasn't methodological about it, not like he was intentional about it. He was just living his life, all right? And the Lord on his own, breathed upon someone like me, the spirit. Why am I saying this? Whenever we have the opportunity of discussing um, um, parenting or the place of fatherhood, the illustration that readily comes to mind is the experience Moses had with Zipporah and the baby. All right. The fact that a point came in the ministry of that great man of God God sent him on assignment and in the course of the assignment God was out to kill him. God had already made up his mind to kill him. This is the same man he sent he entrusted, okay, I want to imply him now, the same man he entrusted with the responsibility of of raising and parenting and in the process wanted to kill him simply because he didn't want to play by God kind of rules. For him, the instruction was you have to circumcise the child, okay? And by 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 teaching and, and understanding, I've come to understand that that circumcision has a lot to do with the relationship Moses was supposed to have with God. Why am I saying this? All right, all we can do, all we can do as people who are being driven by the ordinances of God, eh? is to keep depositing spiritual resources. Whatever happens afterwards, my brother, you don't have a hand on it. You don't have a hand on it. Both of you seem to agree on one thing, that the out, final outcome of what a child is becomes is in God's hands. Definitely. I, I, does, does it not take away responsibility from the man? No, maybe you're not, you're, you're not following, you, you have missed out in, in some of our submission here. Alright, we said, we, when I talk about the place of circumcision. Circumcision is the fact that, okay, let me even move a little bit further, all right? In John 7, Jesus had already healed this impaired man and eventually met him in the temple. 
and he left. At the point he met him in the temple, the man didn't even recognize Jesus. Jesus now gave an empowerment on him. He said, go and sin no more. It is this new path of life that will make you not go back to this ailment again. Backtrack. The experience with the woman, the adulterous woman. Jesus also left her with an empowerment. He said, go and sin no more. Alright? These are spiritual empowerment. Okay? Now, I am saying, and that's what my brother also emphasized on, that our place as people who are being driven by faith in Christ Jesus is to consciously keep depositing the spiritual strength. Okay? Yes. When it's time to go to church, we must take the people that are under our care to church. It shows the circumcision. It shows that commitment, that relationship that we have. Because, I mean, we cannot say we have that relationship with, with God and we are, we are avoiding the fellowship of brethren. When we say, when, when the circumcision says we have to live by the right standards, okay, we must take leadership to live by the right standards. Our children are, are following. We must instruct that as much as your classmates are doing it in, in school, as much as the environment is doing it, that is not the way. That doesn't define what the pathway is. So we must keep depositing the spiritual resources. Okay, what the outcome eventually will be is none is none of, of our control. Yes, just before uh, a sequence to this question or something related to it is that he said his father just lived his life and then God breathed on his life to influence him. Yeah. I've also heard stories of people who say that their parents didn't do much, but they got saved. They didn't go wayward. Mm. And those will imply that it's not really about raising children, that whoever God wants to do make turn out fine, the child will turn out fine. And that seems to be washing your remove your hand from the That's why I actually asked the question. That does not take the responsibility of um uh, uh the, the father or the parents. You understand? Now there's what I call unconscious teachers. And I believe every father and Brian Maker cited something like that. The father just lived his life. The father was an unconscious teacher. Now, two things you do to your children, you teach them consciously and you teach them unconsciously. Right? Good. What has, what's that conscious teaching? The conscious teaching is when you sit them down and you talk to them about life. I see here the, the testimony of Pastor. Okay, I was there when Pastor Adiboy was saying it, that there was one day he called his children together and he spoke to them for over 20 hours, as in they were just talking. That was conscious teaching. Where you sit them down and you tell them, you know, um, you you read the Bible. You just teach them, right? That's conscious teaching. Now, unconscious teaching is this. Now, I do the two. Teach consciously. My wife also assists in doing that. Largely, at this stage, you understand? At this stage, uh, um, like I said, the eldest is 10. So, at this stage, they relate. Good. Now, the unconscious teaching is the way I live my life. That they see. That's unconsciously. Good. One day, now, I'm not saying this just to sound good. I've never raised my voice on my wife in presence of them. Never. So one day I was talking with my wife and uh, my second son said, ah, are you quarreling? I said, no, we're not quarreling. Now, <laughs> that's unconscious teaching, whether you like it or not. That's unconscious teaching. Good. So the responsibility is this, and you can't do beyond this. Then you pray for them also. It's your responsibility to pray for them. The Bible says Job offered sacrifices on behalf of his children. Right? As part of that sacrifice is the prayer. As part of that sacrifice is the way I live my life. 
I think uh, Pastor Bangi wrote um, an article on gatekeepers also, and that article actually blessed me. Do you get it? So I also understand that, okay, I open doors to them. I don't know if you understand. So there is that. I, nobody's taking that responsibility out. I believe in life. I do what I need to do. Then God will do what he wants to do. Is Paul planted, Apollos watered. God decides the increase. But that doesn't mean Paul is not going to plant. That doesn't mean Apollos is not going to water. But ultimately, God decides. But that does not take my responsibility from me. I know my responsibility very well. Three things I have said. Teach them consciously and unconsciously. Pray for them. And expose them to the word of God. Okay, if you are just joining us, I say listen to Kingdom World Radio, the gospel radio that helps you know Christ and live by his truth. This is Men of David, and I've been joined by Pastor Okemute Udu and Mr. Nemeka Anyene. And we've been talking about how to do fatherhood right. We'll be back after this short break to continue with this discussion. Remember when we come back, we'll look at questions like... Um, uh, should you flog a child in the course of fatherhood or not? Fatherhood is done in collaboration with a, a wife. How do you collaborate with them? So please stay tuned. When we come back, we'll get to look at some of those issues. to Men of David on Kingdom World Radio, the gospel radio that helps you know Christ and live by his truth. Today we are still talking about um, fatherhood and um, going forward, before we went on the break, we talked about what is the job of a father in raising the child and then how do you, what's your responsibility and what's God's responsibility. But going forward, we want to understand how come it appears as if some parents, some children who are raised in Godly homes, like you talked about, a bishop of a major Pentecostal denomination whose child joined cults. How come children who are raised in such an environment turn out bad? Is this something? Is this something their father did? Some persons even say Satan is fighting their father because he's a man of God. What, what exactly is going on? Well, my brother, what I what I can't assure you here is the fact that I know everything. Okay, even 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 Jesus at some point, the disciples were asking him. What has the parents of this person done that, you know, from birth, this particular ailment has befallen on him? All right, so there are things that will confound you about life, okay? I think um, uh, Pastor Kimita even has shared with me, you know, some time ago about how man of God, minister of the gospel, and the children, I mean, his son, has been a thorn in the flesh for him. But a few things I'd like to say, okay. Um, first and foremost is, I've I've not I've not um, in this in this my small work with God, all right. I've searched scriptures. I'm yet to find. Maybe if when you find it, let me know. I'm yet to find where God says you should love your children. The instruction is dream. It, it, you, I can't find. I'm not yet. I haven't yet found it. Why? I'm thinking. The natural tendency of every parent is to love. It is more of hard work to train. To train your children. The loving part. Scripture will say, as a man, love your wife. 
Do you understand? Uh-huh. But when it comes to your child or your children, the instruction is not to love them. All right. So, so the walk, um, I, I, the walk there. I, I would say that, um, okay, just relating it to an encounter in scriptures too. People, you know, cornered Jesus. And uh, by the time they wanted to manipulate him, he said, forget it, I know why you have come. You want bread, all right? Eventually, he said, leave bread and focus on the work. And they now asked him, how do we walk the works of God? The next statement he made is very profound. He said it's to believe. He said is to believe first and foremost the work as parents starts with us it's about what do we really believe about life what do we really believe about life that's where it starts okay are we raising families are we taking care of this trust this this responsibility from the world's point of view is it kim kardashian that is setting the standards is it CNN that is defining the other here? Is it the contemporary news that is saying or defining what the rules of parenting or fatherhood is as believers in Christ Jesus? As believers in Christ Jesus, okay? Our set order here is to believe right, okay? When we believe right, we can now walk right because remember i said the parents involve me which is i mean that work that work is a function of belief it's a function of belief so if you know it will eventually you know play out in in how you go about that work of parenting okay be it in in disciplining or um, in instruction or in even in in your date in your even in your play with them okay whatever you believe whatever happens to be the core of your belief will eventually translate and play out um, in, 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 in that in that work eventually where i want to throw more light is on the point about loving your child and training i kind of understand it but is there a way a child can get badly raised because the parents love the child? No, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, life is about order, okay? There, there are boundaries, okay? So, so I mean, for scripture to say, <laughs> when you spare the rod, the consequence is that spoiling is coming in, all right? There's, there's wisdom there. Uh, that wisdom has nothing to do with 2022 or 2030. It's, it's a lifelong standard okay so one thing i've agreed with my wife because you have to prepare it's not on the day of battle that you start getting ready for war okay before and even when we were still meeting each other and we were trying to agree to walk the walk of do you understand there are things that we agreed on if we didn't come to that agreement trust me i won't be her husband she won't be my wife all right those understanding and agreements happen to be the foundations. And, and, and basically, they are founded on our faith in Christ Jesus. Okay? So we believe. We believe that there should be cause and consequence. Alright? So when it comes to discipline our children, okay? It's still out of love. Alright? Daddy will let you know there are, there's an order here. There are rules. Okay? And, and that is the same thing about life. 
when you falter in the rules of the larger community and you're put in the correctional facility, it's not because the government hates you. I want you to understand that <laughs> the society is built on on order, on order. All right. So uh, it, just basically throwing that light on on the, the discipline. Okay, we we've agreed that once there is cause, there has to be a consequence for it. Okay, whether it's coming in three strokes of cane or whether it's coming in just kneeling down, you know, we must make it clear to you. And that's where the work is also. We must make you understand that it is the consequence, okay, of your actions that, that we are bearing. Okay, Pastor Kempe, the question about why is it that pastors' children sometimes turn out bad is your constituency. So, please, what exactly, what could be wrong? What was it possible they didn't do right that made their children turn out bad? Like uh, my brother Mika said earlier, I, I really wish I have all these uh, answers again. I've seen from scripture and within, like I said earlier, my environment. I really don't know what was going on in the, in the homes of those people, but I knew that their parents, uh, the, the father was, was a Christian, was a believer. Now, of course, the outcome was now what got me confused. Uh, again, with the life of Samuel, I really, really don't know what happened in his home. But the testimony of Samuel, I can hold on to the fact that God said this was a man whose words did not fall to the ground. So when you ask that, what could be the problem? I really don't have an answer to that. You understand? Uh, I really don't have an answer to that, that what the problem is. For, to me, I just think, well, like we said earlier, do your part. There are times you, you invest, you, um, uh, you do your feasibility study with respect to the business and all that. I invest and the business still fails. Well, if a child, if a child of a pastor fails, it affects, will it not affect the pastor's ministry? What? First, raising the children is a ministry. Okay, I'm talking about the preaching for example, I think it's secondary to raising your children. I think it's secondary. That's what I think. I think I think it's secondary. Why, why do you think so, sir? Now, these are people. I I have four children. If I preach to others, they mine. Then my family is not cast away. What benefit is it to me? I would rather that the people in my house believe and you know, on that day that I can present them to God, like we have been made to believe, which I really don't that you, you, all the people that give their life to Christ under your ministry will stand behind you. If that is true, I don't want to argue whether it's true or not, but I don't believe it anyway. Let my family members stand behind me. Do you understand? Let it be that I have my wife and my children queue behind me, you know, than I have hundreds of people some whom you do not even know, they just say they were blessed by your ministry. Do you understand? I would rather now we got into this trying to explain that. That's my first. See, I'm not saying because I'm here. I believe that's my first ministry. Okay, concerning why pastors children sometimes turn about, some persons have suggested that it could be because they are the forefront doing the things of the work of God, and so Satan is attacking them. Satan is attacking every child. Satan is attacking every home. It's not. Um, it's not special. The, the Bible says the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy, not just to the homes of pastors. Anyone, he's roam, he, he rouse, you know, uh, he, he's, he, well, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. If he finds the child of a pastor, 
they will devour the pastor. If he finds his child of a, of an usher that is not protected, he will devour. Do you understand? So I, I really don't think it's peculiar. It's just that, of course, most pastors, this is not even about pastors, but it's just that most pastors, they are in the front front. You understand? They are like the people, they are like models. You know, they just think, oh, once the pastor is there, then the children should behave well. And that's, you know, once on a lighter note, somebody came to my house. Uh, one, one, a campus fellowship president came to invite me. Well, we've, I've known him for some time, but that was the first time he visited my house. Saw my kids, and he said, ah, they were playing, we were, we were talking. He said, ah, he thought that in my house, some of my children will be speaking in tongues. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it's not that every time you come to my house, no, it doesn't work like that. That they are normal human beings also. Do you understand? So, why they turn out, like you said, pastor, it's not just about pastor kids. The believe, can we just put pastor aside first? The believer in Christ Jesus. Do you understand? Why some of their children turn out bad, bad I don't have the answer. But did they do their job? That is what I should be asking. Like my brother Emeka said, that's training. That's, uh, I said earlier, that's conscious and unconscious teaching. That's prayers. Do you understand? How we live our lives in secret. Are we opening doors uh, for Satan to come in? Or are we closing doors? Do you understand? When David was to die, he called, uh, what's his name? He called Solomon and named two people that he must be careful of. In fact, he said he must do away with those two people. Uh, I think Joab and Shimei. Those are enemies. <laughs> do you understand? He said you must, you, you must, you must deal with them. So why, I, I think the conversation should just be, let's do our job. Let's do what we should do. There are a lot of things that we don't have answers to. But what we can do, you know, I learned long ago that there are things that God has put under your control. Do those things, then God will do the things that are not within your control. And what is within my control? Is it within my control to pray for, for them? Is it within my control to, to teach them consciously and unconsciously? Is it within my control to take them to church? Because at each level, you know what to apply. If they are five years old, you know what to do. If they are ten years old, you know what to do. At each level, you know what to apply. When you get into the university, you, you know, the, you change gear again. So I just think the conversation should be around, um, are we doing what we're supposed to do? Then let's, the results, ultimately God will, will take care of the results. Okay, now, moving on from that, Mr. Nene, we've talked about praying for your children, exposing them to the word of God and all the correction and all that. But these days, you're not the only one that have influence over your children. Yeah. They meet classmates in school. Yeah. As they grow up, they have access to the internet, they read comments on social media and all that. So, how do you manage the fact that you are not the only influence on your children's life, especially in ensuring you still do your job well? Okay. Yes. Um, influence is um, is a critical component of um, um, of of this fatherhood. All right. Remember, I said the things my father did, the life he lived, he did it unconsciously, and I mean that's how. Um, how much influence eventually had on me, on the, on the man that I've become, all right? So, I believe in creating environments a lot, okay? Yes, if you take a fish out of water, it loses the ability to function, okay? No matter how skillful a monkey is, let him enter the desert, he becomes immobile, all right? So, point is, the environment you are creating consciously, 
environment you are creating around you is very critical. Case in point, in my in my house, I mean, it's not to, it's not a bragging right or so. My daughter doesn't understand what it means to. Maybe if he hears what we call worldly music, maybe, maybe, maybe it's just outside my house. Okay, maybe when they get to school or consciously there's an environment i'm mindful to create around my house okay there are things you don't do there are kind of stations channels you don't flip to there are kinds of um, discussions that that is not sustained all right there are companies that are not allowed all right so as much as possible what i do what i consider as the responsibility the trust the lord has given me is to be able to keep creating that right environment for 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 the child interestingly we live we live in a perverse generation today but there are children that uh, (laughs) i know the kind of i i grew up in a neighborhood that is not very very good do you understand yeah my family i had a good family but the environment was um was something else okay but even in that environment there are children who couldn't understand the tendencies that some of us were exposed to early enough even in this perverse generation all right there okay i've realized that even when my daughter sees shooting in movies she becomes angry she said, why are we watching this violence? I'm talking about just shooting. Not even to now talk about um, um, other, other tendencies. All right? The work, the work personally for me, like I said, is just to keep creating the right set of environment. All right? Because I believe, I believe that at the end of the day, okay, at the end of the day, that's what... That's what eventually, that's, that's the, the planting of, of, um, um, of Paul and, and the watering of, of, of Apollos. Uh, the increase, the increases of the law. Pastor Kamke, how do you manage the fact that there are multitude of influences on your children? Of course, I, I am very conscious of that. Um, I remember my, my children came home. For, okay, I, I picked them from school, so... Uh, my eldest son asked me, who do I want to vote for, right? Of course, we know the within this um, our environment here, so I assume they discussed in school, you know, so I say, who do you want me to vote for? And he gave me a name. In fact, I, at his level, he knows the uh, some of the political actors, now candidates, so he can, he could tell you this person, this person, you understand? <laughs> So I said, okay, no problem. And the conversation ended there. You understand? That's to tell you, when they meet in school, they discuss. Let's not just uh, be, let's not uh, take our eyes off that. They, they talk. It's in primary five now. They talk. Now, so if at that primary five, they discuss. Now, you say politics, because that's politics. If you're asking me who I want to vote for, you double into politics. It's not scripture that they discuss there. I don't know if you understand. Good. So, um, I understand that there are these, uh, they are, they have these, uh, influences, you know. Uh, my daughter, she's, um, uh, these are practical things. And uh, she's, um, uh, five now, you know. She was asking me if this, uh, you know, Buga is everywhere. 
you know. Uh, in fact, I still remember very well. She said, um, "What did she say?" That somebody was singing the song, you know. And she, the way she started it, I know the song, uh, you know. Started with "Collect your money, collect your money." <laughs> so, so she was asking me if it was wrong, you know. Uh, I don't play it in my house. Trust me, I don't. You get it now. Uh, now, why am I telling you this? Whether you like it or not, there are influences. You just get it now. So, um, I can only control the influence within my space. Do you understand? I can control the influence within my space. Like, uh, my brother Amika was talking about watching a movie where they shoot and all that, you know. So, uh, there, are, there are times, not, not, not there are times, um, maybe you're watching a movie, for example. You really don't know when some of these things come, come up. So, for their sake, you don't watch movies. If you are going to watch movies, you go to the room. Right? Good. Now, that's part of the whole process of training. And you're also denying yourself in this process. Because you can see the information you receive, but they can't. You understand? And most times, they are with you. Good. So, they have influences from the school. Some people say, oh, I'll take my children to uh, a Christian school. Don't worry. <laughs> they are... They are unbelievers that also believe that that Christian school will help them change their children. So they brought their children there. And those ones also came with the spirit. They also came with their, so their influences. So how do I control these? Now, I have control over my space. Do you understand? And I also believe where there is much more sin, grace much more abounds. I believe that with the whole of my heart. I'm not taking my eyes off the influences, but I believe I have grace. And it's very much in my house, and as much as I can, I push that grace to them. How do I do that? Again, I have space, I have control over my space. Do you understand? We have control. Now, when I talk of winner, myself and my wife, we have control over that, that space. A time will come where you have to talk, martial talk. Do you understand? You tell them certain things. But like I said, as they grow, the conversation changes. As they grow, the conversation changes. For this time, we're working with their age, right? Working with their age, or um, um, observing, you understand? In fact, I was talking with a children's teacher, very known in town here, and he said to him, you know, I was asking him, at what age do you think we should start discussing this? And he told me a number of things that I learned. Do you understand? He told me a number of things that I learned. So I'll call my son who is 10 years and I'll sit him down and I'll tell him some certain things. <laughs> We're moving down to discipline. So part of it is, as what you start having this kind of conversation with your children as a father? Okay. Okay. Um, I have a girl. And um, so the issue of, okay, when do, I, when do we start sex education? Now comes in. Do you understand? Okay, at that point, like I said, my girl is five. And so my wife starts telling her, these are the private areas. Do you understand? This, these are no-go areas. You should not allow anybody come within. I don't know if you understand. Do you, normal, you talk to girls. Do you understand? You also talk to your boys. You know, you don't spank a girl in class on a bomb. Do you understand? There are areas you don't touch. Now, there are conversations like that. You understand? Because I, in fact, before I used to teach my children, oh, Noah, uh, fish, swallow the Jonah, 
and uh, Jonah did this and Noah did this. Ah, and somebody said, that, do I think that they don't understand things about the Holy Spirit? Because I was thinking, oh, at that age, you know, they, that they would not understand. But the children's teacher told me that I should teach them. Do you understand? So we also bring that conversation in. Mr. Anyane, how some persons believe that um, you shouldn't flog a child. That the Bible passage that talked about sparing the rod of discipline and destroying a child is actually not talking about physical rod like Cain. What do you think? Do you think, uh, how do you think we should raise children? Okay, I, I mean, I have a straightforward answer to it. Okay, uh, but interestingly, you know, uh, the kind of questions these children get to ask yeah. at times can put you off balance, all right? Because time, time, times have changed. True. That's true. true. Okay, the, the kind of information you managed at age 10 is definitely not the same with what an age 10 all right, we'll, no. we'll deal, deal with now. All right, I can remember some months ago, my my five year daughter, all right, was asking my wife, where was her brother? Okay, there's a picture she was looking at. I said, where was her brother at that point? My wife said, <laughs> in the womb. All right, a month later, she now said, how did he enter that womb? <laughs> Okay, so I mean, <laughs> just a lighting of this conversation. <laughs> That's an aside, all right. But for discipline, I believe, like I've said earlier, I believe life is about is about cause and consequences. All right, there should be order. Okay, uh-huh. and it's all born out of love. I'm not. I, I don't. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with people who think you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Use the the rod of correction. That's not how I run my family. That's not how I interpret the the trust and the responsibility of discipline that the Lord has given me. Okay, I've never seen anyone who dies out of um, discipline. discipline. Okay, there should be control. There should be control. I mean, that's that's what the Holy Spirit brings in our lives. Even when we are disciplined, like okay, the standing order in my houses we don't discipline with our bare hands do you understand when you want to discipline when you want to you would want to yes when you want to discipline use use the king do you understand he also has a way of putting you in check because sometimes it's easier to just use use be physical and all but when you have to go look for a king do you understand is you are managing that anger and all so 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 i don't believe with i don't believe um, I don't agree with them. Okay, I agree, and I believe that. What, yes, it's scriptural, and that's that's our our lives and family is run by by the other scriptures. My time is getting down, and then, so Pastor came to briefly. He said something. He said that nobody dies from flogging, but those who are those who advocates don't flog a child. The argument has always been that some children got damaged emotionally, so much that even became wild because of flogging. No, that that's not true. The scripture is clear. Uh, you know, the scripture is clear. Um, if um, the Lord says you should do something, He knows. Um, he know nobody will be damaged. They will get better. That's the truth. Is it possible to administer bad, excessive dosage of what God says you should do? Uh, no, I, I know there are people who go to the extreme. 
you understand. But we're not talking of the extreme here, extreme cases here. We're talking of applying the rod is scriptural. Uh, there are people who, out of anger, uh, I still remember when I was young. I, I remember uh, one of my uncles, um, the the son stole from a neighbor, and he took, uh, you know, pressing iron, heated the iron, uh, and you know, stamped it on his back. He said, when he grows up, he will see that mark. I, for me, I think that's to the extreme. You understand? Uh, that that one is wickedness. That's, that's wickedness. I don't think it's discipline. Uh, now, what I'm saying is, even the people where, this, where we import some of these things from, that uh, when you, uh, you you discipline your child, you call 911. Uh, somebody told me that even the rich, even the rich, they discipline their child. They use the rod on the child. They might not come out to do that, you know, but they discipline their child. They take their child to schools where they are, where, where they are disciplined. So I, it's not a correct, um, nobody will die from, from discipline. I agree totally with my brother. However, there are people who go to the extreme. But should we flog? I flog very well. <laughs> I, see, I learned it. It's something, for me, I learned it. It's not something I like to do, but it's something I have to do. Okay, in this job of fatherhood, you almost can't do it in isolation from the woman of the house. So, but there are times that how you want to do this fatherhood is not how the woman. Perhaps you came from different backgrounds. How do you successfully work together with this woman to do your job of fatherhood well, Mr. Very, very, very correct. Okay. So remember, I said earlier that it's not on the day of battle that you start getting prepared for war. Okay. So there are a few things, like I said, we had already agreed as couples even before we got into the journey okay so um and most of that agreement eh, is founded on the common things that we have heard and believed you understand yeah. uh-huh. so so we've been able to decide and agree we are on one page my children know that whatever my wife you know whatever reason my wife disciplines them if i come back I am with with my wife. Do you understand? Uh, so, and vice versa. Okay. So when 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 children realize that you are not um, that you disagree as couple, that's when you start losing authority with them. That's true. All right. Um, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you see, these children they are also. Yeah. <laughs> let me use the word. Let me borrow the word wise. The acts of something from you as a father. Or from they start from their mother most times. Oh no, they start from their father. Then you say no. Then they will go to their mother. <laughs> Do you understand? I think you start actually damaging things when you say no and your wife say yes. Now there are things I would want to grant. You understand? And there are things I would want to grant. But once I discover that my wife has said no, I have to agree with her in that no. Because if you if you go, and they are, they are good at that, don't worry. <laughs> they, they, yes, they, they like divide and rule. They are good at that. They will come to you first. And they won't tell you that they are going to. So what we do, my wife would ask, have you asked daddy? That's <laughs> <laughs> you know, then they will say yes. They won't lie. They will say yes. So what did daddy say? He said daddy say no. Then we stand by no. There are, there are times that you know, they ask for something. I say, okay, go and do it. My wife will say, ah, but I already told them 
that they should not do it. I, I say I didn't know now. Do, do you understand? But if you don't, if you don't sustain, if both of you are not in agreement, listen, you are causing a big problem. More damaging. Yes, is is more damaging. You are causing a big problem that I believe in future you will try to correct and you might not be able to correct it. So at every point in time, the husband and wife. In fact, one of the counseling sessions I had of recent was is when the father would say this. Actually, what the man told me is, I would tell my son to kneel down. My wife would say, no, don't kneel down. I said, then we have a big problem at hand. Interestingly, before, as we round up, I just remembered a very unique way my dad used to discipline me. He wanted to flog me, and he would go out and buy a bottle of Coke. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I just remembering it very strong. So with that, you will know, even if you are given 20 lashes of the cane, he's born out of love. Okay. 30 seconds each of you. I'll start with you. The guy just got married last week yeah. and is about to start his job. He's here to start. He has like nine months to start his job of fatherhood. In 30 seconds, advise him. <laughs> oh my God. That advice can it come in 30 seconds. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's just <laughs> Okay. So I, I'll, I'll start from where we started from. Okay. You have to do your part. All right. And allow God to do the rest. And that your part is to, to believe, to teach, and to keep believing. Pastor Kermit, there is a man whose child is in SS3. The child has gone wayward. A believer's child. Please talk to that father. Love him. Love him. Luke chapter 15. Um, the prodigal son, you know, again comes to mind. What did that father not do? But the guy went, he went crazy. But the father kept looking out for him. So you don't give up. Is your child and is your child. You keep listen. You keep loving him, no matter what. You keep loving him, and you keep like my brother Maker said. You keep believing. One day, he would come. He would come back to his senses. But that word, you keep loving him. Alright, that's where we'll draw the curtain on this week's edition of Men of the Vid on Kingdom World Radio. The gospel radio that helps you know Christ and live by his truth. Um, I've been joined by Apostle Udu Okemute and Mr. Nemeka Anine. Thank you very much once again for joining me today. And for you, my listener, if you have not taken anything from this, I mean... I'm going home with a matching order for my wife and then um, some changes I have to do about my own parents. So please um, join us at the same time next week for another insightful episode of Men of the Beat. Remember, this conversation doesn't end now, so let's continue the conversation online. If you want to give us your feedback on this, please use the hashtag, hashtag Men of the Beat, and tweet at or write at or tag at the KW Radio. You can also send us mail to through radio at pastor.ng. Until next week, Please keep living for Christ.